0: When you're there, click on the podcast button. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Lastly, the best way to keep up with our programs and trips is to join our email newsletter. And you can do that at jmbnews.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Jack Mountain Bushcraft podcast. This is a reunion episode (laughs) to some extent. I'm here with my good friends, Ed Butler and Christopher Russell. How are we doing today, gents? Good, good, good. Never better. Uh, it's April sixth. It's literally a whiteout outside, and it seems like every time that we record a podcast, we have a blizzard. Um, there, there's a trend. Yeah, we seem to be trending that way, yeah. <laughs> which is pretty annoying at this point in the year. <laughs> like we it. should
2: sell our services at ski mountains. Like, we'll come record a cod- record a podcast at your mountain, and then it'll snow. Yeah. And yeah. they won't have to make snow. It's the
0: equivalent of the the modern equivalent of the rain dance.
1: Yeah. I'll say, though, it's, it's snow, pretty, the snowcast. It's pretty picturesque today with the, with the, with, the green, with the green trees. It looks it looks like it's December out there.
0: Yeah, and, uh, and I have been shoveling snow just about my entire life. And once April rolls around, uh-uh, no more. I'm not shoveling <laughs> anymore. I will walk on top of it. I will yeah. let it melt. I just don't care anymore.
1: Well, generally, April 1st is the opening day of salmon season. So everybody's all psyched about going down and starting to salmon fish. But you stand out on the dock for about 15 minutes, and you'd think you're in, like, the Aleutians
0: Islands or something <laughs> up in Alaska. It's like welcome to Dutch Harbor. You
1: can't put enough long underwear on to stay warm out there. Yeah. <laughs> welcome to New Hampshire. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for
0: sure. So today's episode, we're going to talk all about living simply, um, living a simple lifestyle, and you know some of the underpinnings of that, uh, both philosophically and practically. Um, but I want to start by paraphrasing a great story. ...by uh, Leo Tolstoy... ...and it's a short story... ...and you can probably Google it and get it for free... ...but it's called How Much Land Does a Man Need? Um, And before I start... ...I will say that we as humans... ...are creatures of very little... ...very few needs... ...but countless wants... ...so separating wants from needs... ...is a big part of learning how to live... ...simply... ...but anyway, in the story... There's a man, he's middle-aged, he lives in Russia, and he's not super happy with how his life has turned out. He looks around and he sees sees other people with lots more uh, material wealth than he has. Um, And he's working in a job that maybe he's not super excited about. So he hears a story that if you head way far to the east, that you can purchase land from the native people out there uh, at a very cheap rate. So he packs up his stuff and he starts walking east and... I think he walks for a couple of weeks and he finally gets out past the frontier in Russia. And he meets uh, some local people and he tells them what he wants to do. And he finally meets the chief. And the chief says, points at this little hill that's got no trees on it. And he says, meet me there at sunrise. So the old, you know, the guy is super excited. He can't sleep that night. He's so excited. He's finally going to get his land. So he meets the chief up there at sunrise and the chief is holding four spears and he takes one spear and he sticks it in the ground. And he says, this is one corner of your land. Take these three spears and put them in the ground where you want to. And you, the only catch is that you must be back here on top of this hill at sunset. Before the sun goes below the horizon. And if you do, then you'll get the land that you've outlined with the spears. And if you don't, you'll get nothing. So the guy takes off running with the spears and he's running and running and running and every little hill he comes over the land in front of it looks better than before and he keeps going and going and it's about mid-morning and he thinks okay I've got to put this stick uh this spear in the ground and turn the corner so he sticks it in the ground and as he keeps going in the next direction he uh, is just amazed at how much better the land is getting and how beautiful it is and and eventually he says okay you know it's it's afternoon he puts that one in the ground and then he starts running and running and running and just working super hard physically and finally gets the last spear, sticks it in the ground. And now the race is on where he has to get back to the top of the hill and he's running and his heart. is just pounding like crazy. He finally gets to where the hill is in sight and he sees the sun sink behind the hill and he gets very distraught. But then he remembers that from the top of the hill He's probably got 10 more minutes before the sun sinks behind the horizon because at the top of the hill, he's got a way better view. So he sprints up to the very top of the hill and his heart's just pounding. He gets up to the top of the hill and he gets up to the chief and then his heart just gives out and he falls on the ground and drops dead of a heart attack right there. And the story ends by them saying that then they put him in a box six feet by two feet by two feet and put him in the ground. So the moral of the story of how much land does a man need is a box six feet by two feet by two feet. So a lot of great stuff in that story, a lot about, you know, human greed. Like he could have probably, you know, very easily, uh, marked off 10 acres, you know, in about 20 minutes and, and not died. But greed drove him onward and onward and onward and, you know, Again, we are creatures of very few needs, but countless, countless wants. So I want to talk just a little bit about, uh, about the lifestyle that we have at the field school. And we call it the off-grid, off-pipe life. Because we're not attached to the grid, and we don't have water pipes and drains and plumbing. So it's very, very simple. And, you know, the, the beauty of that is that there's nothing to break. But it's also inexpensive to get started on that style of life. So when we talk about us being creatures of, of few needs, but countless wants, you know, let's, let's talk about what those needs are. So in order for me to be a reasonably happy human being, you know, I probably need something to eat every day, some good clean water to drink, someplace warm and dry where I can get some rest and and chill out at the end of the day, if the, if the weather's terrible. And then a few other things, you know, someplace to deal with compost and refuse and waste and stuff like that um so again these needs are very simple and if anybody who's listening to this has ever been camping then that's you know where we sort of take care of those needs with very little infrastructure so being able to live comfortably on the trail you know theoretically you could live like that year round and you wouldn't happen you wouldn't have to have anywhere near the amount of stuff that we do in our in our modern worlds um, so needs are, are pretty simple.
1: Well, actually, yeah, it's kind of funny because that reminds me of a scenario of... Uh, supposedly, there were these uh, two brothers somewhere down in New Jersey that um, when they graduated high school, they... Uh, no, I'm sorry. They went through high school and they graduated college. They inherited each $100,000 apiece as a gift from the father, from the family, as to, you know, here's how you go out and start your life and get into business and do your thing. So the... uh these two, these two brothers were very different characters in the sense that one was really high pressure, business oriented, you know, wanted to, he was the kind of guy that probably would have gone to the end of the earth to put his stake down and tried to make it back before the sun went down. The other guy was really simple and wanted to live a simple life. So what happened was the, uh, the uh, one brother uh, w- moved to Boston, got a job for a, uh, some accounting firm and got a really nice uh, condo somewhere on a really fancy street and a really nice car, and, and started making really good money. Well, the other brother took, to satis- he had $100,000, so to satisfy his family, he put $50,000 in, in a Roth, and he took the other 50000 and he drove up to northern Maine and bought like 20 acres of land and built a cabin and, and uh, put, it, put in an outhouse and had a little shallow dug well, and uh, then he learned how to, you know, can food, and he learned how to, you know, hunt and live off the land, eventually he learned to raise food. And uh, to, just to kind of bring it up full circle, I guess, you know, like 20 years later, he had stayed up there and actually uh, developed his own little homestead and had a, had a nice little relationship going with the neighbors and stuff. And his brother had been through bankruptcy, uh, had been through a divorce, uh, was riddled with medication from living a really high pressure, high stress life. And the, 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 re- the original $50,000 that the other brother had invested had multiplied on into almost like a quarter of a million dollars. So he lived a very quality, low-pressure life and made money uh, living simply. And his brother, who had gone, gotten very aggressive and tried to have the, you know, the fancy house, the, the fancy car, the vacation in the Hamptons, and, and all that other stuff, ended up, uh, nearly, you know, was, was, had bad health from living, a, a, you know, bad health from living a really high-pressure, high-stress life and, uh, you know, bounced through a couple of jobs, went through a couple of recessions and was in, wasn't in such good shape and had absolutely no money. So I guess the moral is <clears throat> living simple, you know, if you, if, I mean, that's kind of a bizarre scenario, but if you think about that, what we spend uh, just to do simple things like, you know, the, the kind of car we have to drive to work, how much it costs to put a roof over your head, how many bedrooms you need, how many, you know, how big does your garage have to be? Do you have snow machines in the garage? Do you have in a, you know, you stop and think of all the money and all the effort and stress that you put in to your everyday life to have these material items that you don't need in the first place. So <clears throat> I don't know if that we're, I'm kind
0: of, no, I think that's fault, you know. right on, right on topic. Right. And, and, th- uh, for me personally, I always feel like I have a foot in two worlds um, you know, I have a modern house here in New Hampshire where my wife and kids live. And then, you know, but I spend half the year or a little more than half the year at the field school in Northern Maine where, um, you know, living very simply. And personally, uh, you know, I find the simple life much more pleasurable there. And, you know, there's no, there's so much less stress that you're never worried about things breaking in the middle of the night. Cause like, what's going to break?
1: Yeah, that's it. Like when you say off-grid, off-pipe, which actually I confess, when you said that, I thought you meant you'd given up smoking the pipe, but I understand now. The crack now. pipe? No. Because I'm, I'm still on it, <laughs> baby. Don't try to take yeah, it away. The, uh, so, so now I'm up to speed. Yeah, you, you, in other words, you have a hand pump. To pump your water, you, you started, I guess, the first couple of years. Yeah, the actually...
0: first year. I mean, the first year at the field school um, running programs, I was there for, I think, four months. And, you know, I was there the first day, built a shelter using just my axe. Yeah. And covered it with the, you know, a takeaway cover, piece of parachute, piece of tarp. Yep. We were dipping water out of a tiny little stream and then boiling it, you know, like you do on a on the trail, like on a trip. Like on a camping trip. Yeah, and and but you know, just living like that, it was very very pleasurable. The next year, we built the first little building and uh, just put. Uh, I bought a new trash can, put it under the drip edge of the roof of the what's now the guide shack. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no gutters, nothing high tech. We would just catch what what dripped off of there and then. Every now and then I'd go through and, you know, uh, sanitize it with a tiny little bit of bleach. Um, But, yeah, and that's how we got our water. And, you know, the whole time we've had the humanure composting toilet system, eventually we added a couple of solar panels, and now I can run a business from up there charging laptop and camera and having lights at night and things. But it's still, you know, just very, very simple, very bare bones.
1: Well, essentially, what do you need electricity for? To charge, you know, to... to, uh work the internet and you charge your cell phone yeah pretty much i mean and uh a little bit of lighting
0: yeah because lighting you find Mm -hmm. you know if you you find that in the long run a solar light system is so much cheaper and easier to run than like a gas lantern i love the gas lanterns i love the hiss i love the smell (laughs) but Mm -hmm. you know every day they're awesome for camping but if it's every day the solar lights are yeah they're easy it's and you go through
1: like, a lot of a lot more fuel than you realize if you're using it all the time oh yeah for sure
0: i mean it's <clears> what are they it, like 97 percent of what they give off is heat and three percent is light so yeah and in it's, the heat of the summer that makes a difference yeah yeah for sure um so yeah the systems that we have are, are they're just pretty simple but you know a, a simple system well run is a thing of immense pleasure
1: yeah and you think about how much more relaxed you are up there with without things breaking and um, cause I've seen how you work up there. I mean, all the tools are pretty much hand tools. Yeah. Um, and it's a simple, you know, other than really splitting firewood, cutting firewood, um, a few, you know, odd, odds and ends. I mean, but really a handsaw and, uh, an ax, a buck saw. And that's really all you really use up there. Definitely for day to day life. I mean, if yeah. we're
0: building a, building a, building something, you know, we'll have a few power tools and a. Yeah. And, you know, like hammers and other sort of stuff. But for day-to-day life where it's it, not like construction or whatever, right. it's very simple, very simple toolkit. And it's just – it's very pleasurable to use. Like I have a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. It's an amazingly useful tool. But I, I take no pleasure in using it, whereas I actually take pleasure in using an axe. Well, you're actually
2: hitting on something really interesting because we're talking about how the simple life is so much more relaxing. And um, I've had this thought bouncing around in my head for the last year or so living this way and doing this stuff that – uh Uh, it was after reading uh, Walden talking about deliberate living. And I got to thinking about, you know, if you have all these modern anemones that are supposed to make your life easier, why is everybody I know so stressed out living this modern life? And what I've come to is kind of this idea that when you are, when everything you do is a push button operation, like cooking your food, you push a button on the microwave, your food is cooked. Um, you want water, you turn a tap there 's water there, but when every action that you go through throughout the day to meet those uh those needs that we talked about you 're involved in at at an almost intimate level, your brain doesn 't have time to to really worry about stuff that 's going to happen tomorrow because you 're you 're totally involved in meeting your needs for that day, and then the next day it 's the same thing over and over, and you end up not having yeah, I mean everybody worries about big stuff but it's not a constant thing because your your brain is occupied throughout every minute of the day with the in the way that we live up there
0: so it's kind of a zen yeah living in the moment zen through the axe so the question is though even though that we're off grid can we still keep up with the kardashians uh in what respects i'm pretty sure i
2: can outrun all of them let's be honest <laughs> yeah. Is that uh, not what you meant? I don't know. I just felt like who are the Kardashians?
0: Of, no, of you keep throwing that name around.
1: Who are they? Yeah.
0: Um, uh, Ed, I've
2: seen your screen background.
1: Don't don't <laughs> pretend. I don't have the Kardashians as, as, a, as a as a he uh, definitely does as a home screen. But uh, th- that name does that name does get thrown around a lot in the social world. I'll say that.
0: Yeah. Um, As it should. To the
1: point where I'm actually going to change my name to Ed Kardashian. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. that's got a ring to it. Yeah, I think so. What about Ken Kardashian? Yeah, Ken, Ken Kardashian. Actually, that, that's the alliteration that, that of sounds, the... Uh... That sounds phony. Yeah. And I apologize to anyone named Ken Kardashian who may, <laughs> may or may not be listening, um, but change your name. <laughs> but, but anyway, so, but what you like you were saying, so what do we got, uh, The basically housing. And that can be uh, whether you're
0: living under a lean-to or you have an erected, what, 16-by-20-foot cabin or whatever. Or all the way up to, like, a massive skyscraper and you live in the penthouse, right? They all accomplish the same thing for us. Right,
1: exactly. And getting back to, like, how much, you know... um, as far as housing, I guess it depends on how many people are living together. But say you got two people living in a camp, I mean, you could probably get by with a, you know, a, a sixteen by twenty foot camp.
0: Yeah, that's the. I mean, cabin. that's how big the guide shack is. Yeah, and two yeah. people could live there comfortably.
1: Yeah, on a regular, on, on an everyday basis. Right. You know, without driving each other crazy, and you got a nice loft and stuff, so you don't, you don't have to make your bed. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
0: I I I don't have anybody on the loft, so I claim that I make it, but I I really don't. (laughs) I've never made the bet, okay? But
1: uh, but you think about it, what is it, you know, in the cost in today's world, I mean, you can build something like that relatively inexpensive. Right. By, you know, I mean, I know people, I work in a lot of houses, they might put $80,000 into kitchen cabinets. Right. You know, Yeah, and that's not, that's not. Better be nice cabinets. Well, they are. They are. Okay. But, but, so
0: you mean put in eighty thousand dollars worth of cabinets? I thought you meant they'd take eighty thousand dollars in cash and leave it in the kitchen. Cabinets. I've seen both case scenarios,
1: <laughs> and uh, there's a lot less cash when I leave. I'll tell you. <laughs> but uh, but no, I mean that's not unheard of. I mean you know people spend that kind of money and 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 that and, a, and, and beyond. But the point is think of you know think of what how much you know what kind of a nice little cabin and a solar system and well and compost toilet and land you could get for eighty thousand dollars. Right. And be done with it. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, and you got to figure, you know, what do you pay for? Uh, what are you paying in taxes and all that stuff? And, and
0: to be honest, I think a cabin's like a year three thing. Like you could easily do two years in a tent if you built a nice platform for your tent. Yeah, wall tent. Like you could easily do a couple years there before it gets too old. Well, it's funny
1: because because um, I we just my wife and I recently purchased some land up in northern Maine, and I want to take the first year and do just that. Kind of live in a tent to kind of get used to the land to say, well, you know, maybe we want a cabin here, not here, you know, because yeah, if you go no, up and I just start building, yeah, that's interesting. It's like you know, ten five years later, it's like, why did we put it here? It's the you idea know? of,
0: uh, yeah, sort of similar to. I read a book when I was in graduate school, and it was all about like urban planning and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting at the field school, like we'll have people there, and then we'll you know put certain things in certain places. And then watch where the people walk, right? Mm-hmm. So, And then that tells us where to put the paths or, you, or whatever, right? Like, yeah. they, they make themselves. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And, Out of habit and, and ritual. Yeah.
0: And, it, and if you put the time and effort into making the path somewhere else, mm-hmm. no one would use it. Yeah. So it's it's beneficial to sort of let the paths make themselves yeah. rather than force them. Yep. Um, On the little scale, like I'm talking with actually making paths, but on the bigger scale, like you're talking, like spend some time on the land before you know, because you have to be there and live there a bit before you know where everything's going to go. You can
1: see where the sun, you know, you see where the sun comes up over that tree. Yeah. We know it's in the east, but is it, you know, maybe if I was just a few feet over this way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And the other thing is, okay, so you get your cabin, you heat it with wood, most likely, let's say, and you get your solar system for your lighting, and that's pretty much really all you need for the housing aspect of
0: it. Yeah. And then you got your, uh, so what do you, how do you get your water? Right. So the first, you know, melt snow, f- mm-hmm. a stream, haul in big jugs, and eventually, you know, maybe put in a well. You can definitely catch all your rainwater. Yep. Yep. Uh, I mean, if you were in a big urban area with tons of air pollution, your water would probably be pretty brown and gross, and you might not want to but drink you, that. But The
1: occasional dead pigeon. But you're not going to be, <laughs> but think about it, you're not going to be building an off-grid cabin on, in, in that uh, demographic. Either. Not yet. Like I know for a fact, there. If you go behind Rite Aid in town, there's there are no off-grid cabins behind that place. Really? Yeah. I've there's checked. a lot of floppy blue
0: tarps there's, though. That's there's a an, lot of floppy blue tarps. I they, see they that as an op- that's an opportunity right there. Yeah. And that is an opportunity. There you go. We should go there Squatters after this podcast. Catching rainwater off a tarp. I did that. Like we do that on trips a lot. So if it's yeah. po- yep. there was one time I had like a 32 ounce water bottle, mm-hmm. and we were paddling on the Allagash, and we were on Eagle Lake. And saw all the thunderclouds building up. And I was like, all right, we're pulling off here, guys. Pulled off, set the tarp up. Right as soon as the tarp was up, it just started to pour, like, super hard. And I held my water bottle under the drip edge of the tarp, and it filled up 32 ounces in seven seconds. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's it's amazing. Amazing. And you know what? You think about it. We, you know, we use a lot of, like, when they build a house and they drill a well, you have to have so many, like, three gallons a minute or whatever. But you know, in in the scenario we're talking about, you not you don't have a dishwasher, right? You don't you don't have a you don't have a kid taking a twenty minute shower. You're not flushing toilets. Cole, oh, wait, uh, clothes take, taking a what? You know what I'm saying?
2: Taking a what? Yeah. People do a take showers.
1: Shower. People who live in wood houses take showers. I mean, it's I've seen but, it. But they should not throw matches. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Stones? Oh, Stones. I get it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah.
2: It took me a minute people who live in my yeah <laughs> people who live in wood houses you not imagine I did not see that coming no, no. anyway i never know but what's the coming. amount
1: of water you actually need is, is minimal minimal because you know yeah. you're you're wash you know you're washing your clothes differently you will either wash in a hand washer or a bucket or, or whatever but you're not running you know gallons of water and i know the new washing machines are energy saver and this and that but you use a lot less water when you wash your hands manually
0: Correct. Okay. Like, I figured the vast majority of the water that I pump in camp just mm-hmm. is drinking water. Yep. Drinking or cooking? Drinking and yeah. coffee and cooking. And washing dishes. Yep. And I, you know, I'll. I'll uh, Bathe occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's usually more swimming and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, 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 but we're so, fortunate now we have so, a pond so I can get all the so, bathing so, water. So, out the amount of that.
1: water in living this way, the amount of water you actually need is, is a fraction. Correct. Of, of what you'd use in your everyday life and like mm-hmm. in this house
0: or what the what what the code is right well like the, the code yeah, for a well says it's going to yeah, be this that yeah, or
1: yeah, yeah well it's it's gallons per minute gallons per yeah. hour, yeah, but no you, that you're that's null and void you're right, right? in this so that's you that's a huge factor and whether you're um whether you get a dug well, which is simply you know depending if you're lucky enough to have a piece of land with a spring on it you know there's your, that there's your answer. You know, you got spring water twenty four seven, which people pay huge money for down in New Jersey, and uh, or if you can pound a point, uh, which is f- relatively simple, you can dig a well. I mean, there's a cu- bunch of different ways to do it, or you can, like you say, you can just carry it in a five gallon bucket. You yeah, know? yeah. Which you know gets old after a while, but they do it in certain parts of the world all the time.
0: And our ancestors did it every day their and, whole life was,
1: and you think about it if you're not getting up to to go to the job to sit in the cubicle or to, to go you know, like say you're i'm a pipe fitter or whatever you know you're going in to put a furnace if i'm not doing that i don't mind carrying water right yeah. that's a piece of i mean that's my it's like that's it's part the, of the day me, that's all i got to do to get it. that's that's part of your day yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly it's not exactly.
0: having to go drive an hour and a half commute to work yeah. at a high rise to make enough money yeah. to pay the guy to come in to do this to do yeah. that so that the end result is the same Two ways to go about it carrying water from the river in camp, or mm-hmm. you know, everything's automated and I live in a condo on the 23rd or you, floor.
1: Or you pay ten thousand dollars for a well and you find out you get sulfur in the well, so you got to put in another six thousand dollar water softening system. So now you got sixteen grand into a well, and that's before you it to the house,
0: right? Yeah, but so. hopefully, you've got that it was 80 grand in cash inside the kitchen cabinets <laughs> to pay for it. That's right? where that comes in handy, <laughs> yeah. it does help.
1: <laughs> So, but so, so there's your, all right, so there's your housing and your water. And what do we, what, what do you, what do you rec- like for uh, a bathroom and, and gray water and that sort of thing? I mean,
0: yeah, well, in, can- this is year, what, when did I start? 1995. I started, uh, with the old humanure system, and that's pooping in buckets, it all ends up on a compost pile covered in hay, it doesn't smell, it heats up, kills all the bad stuff, and is the magic ingredient for composting every other thing that will rot from, now like
1: from the kitchen or whatever. So we're going to spare the visual yeah, on this, but let's just explain how a compost toilet act, because a lot of people don't understand how a compost toilet actually works. So like When you say you're using a bucket...
0: Fancy composting toilets that are like, you don't have to touch anything. We have the very low tech version. Mm-hmm. So we basically build these plywood boxes uh, or we get them from somebody else who makes them on top of the plywood box is a hole, And then on top of that goes a toilet seat. Mm-hmm. And under inside the box is a five gallon bucket. So when you walk in, it basically looks like a a, a square wood toilet. Right. The traditional outhouse Yeah, toilets, the same, but except, you know, inside you, the, everything goes in the bucket. When you're done making your deposit, you cover everything with sawdust or some other thing that's high in carbon, low in nitrogen. Uh, What comes out of us is high in nitrogen and you balance that with the carbon. It kills all the smell. And then when the bucket gets full, we dump it onto a big pile that we keep together with chicken wire basically. Uh, But there are lots of ways to do it. And then on top of that goes some hay. Uh, to add oxygen, more carbon, and uh, kill any other residual smells, yep. and and then the bucket gets scrubbed and goes back in. So it's really simple. See, so I'm glad you said it, you explained it that way because when you when you start talking about compost,
1: I say, like, "Oh my God, those things must reek." It's like they really don't because it's a chemical yeah. process, right? And uh, you know, like you say, you get a four dollar bucket at Home Depot, you get a couple hundred bucks worth of plywood, you make four a- dollar bucket. Geez, what are we millionaires? <laughs> well. <laughs> I buy, glad glad made that in I, gold? I buy the one with a handle on it. You can go to the scratch and dent aisle and get a you get a plastic bucket. I honestly, like 50.
0: twenty years ago, I got like fifty buckets. They were all pickle buckets from a sub shop. Yeah, and uh, and you still have them. I still
1: have them. I actually, I noticed that they still say, yeah, they are pickle buckets. <laughs> yeah, you really get a lot of you get a lot of service out of your buckets. But uh, but so it's it's that simple. It's like it doesn't smell. Um, you know, as you said, you throw some sawdust in, you do your business, you cover it with sawdust. When that's full, you take the bucket out, throw it in the pile, cover it with hay, clean out the bucket
0: and start over. And it's that simple. It's that simple. Yep. And every, every bit of waste from your kitchen, even the things that the books say you can't compost go in there. Like, you know, we've, I mean, we've composted dead animals in there. Yep. Like we had a skunk getting the compost once and he couldn't get out and he got all tied up in the wire. So we, uh, did a bit of a mercy killing. And then you know it it didn't compost his whole carcass like the bones remained, but everything that would rot was turned back into dirt in a year.
1: Now like banana peels,
0: yeah, banana peels, pork bones, anything, big things of like hog fat, you name it, throw it in there because the magic ingredient is the is the the humanure which makes it heat up, and it's I highly recommend if you're remotely interested do a Google search for the humanure handbook. He'll answer every question that you could possibly have. It's all the science. It's in one simple little book. And I think there's even a free online version you can read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But don't take our yeah. word for it. Go no, to the but, source. But, it,
1: but it's a good thing for people to look into and learn about because it's so simple and so inexpensive.
0: Yeah. And, and even yeah. like I agree, we're not going to get everybody to become converted to saying this is my lifestyle. But I mean, nor, nor do you want to. No. But if you <laughs> like regardless of where you live, yeah. it's foolish to not have a backup plan. So, for example, here, rural New Hampshire, like we lost power the other day for Mm -hmm. 10 hours. When you lose power, things like flush toilets stop working Mm -hmm. because water pumps stop. So it just makes sense to have a backup plan. And it it doesn't, like you say, it doesn't cost you much money to have a humanure box and a bucket maybe in the garage or in the basement. And then if the power goes out and your kids are looking at you like, I got to go, what do I do? You don't have to send them out into the snow, you know, in the middle of February because there's no electricity. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm lucky because I, I live right beside that creek. And when we lost our power, I, still, I filled a few buckets to have. And we ended up getting by and getting the power back. But if it wasn't for that, it would have been an issue flushing the toilets. Right. You know, so, yeah. So so that would have been a great idea. Um, and then, you know, there's also, if someone doesn't want to do, you can still do the outhouse. Oh, yeah. You, know, you can still do an outhouse, but then you got to dig a hole and then
0: depending on, and you will get residual odor out of those. And they yeah. are a uh, source of non source point water pollution. So you can pollute a well. Correct. But, yep. but that won't happen with the human or system. And if you want all the details, read the human or handbook. Perfect. Yep. Uh, yeah. So uh, the systems,
2: uh, yeah. So just talking about some of the other systems to deal with stuff. Um, so the big one we talked about was food and, um, as one of the, uh, the simple needs that we have. Um, so that can be pretty simple. You know, maybe when you first start out, you're driving into town a lot and you're, uh, buying food and such, but there are ways to make, uh, yeah, there are ways to make that easier on the land itself. And we're doing a lot of that this year. So we're going to be setting up gardens and, um, harvesting a lot of food from the land itself. And I mean, it's, it's pretty unreasonable to think that you could ever get Totally, um, off of going to the grocery store based on going to the store or I'm, I'm sorry, get away from going to the store based on harvesting wild foods, but it is pretty doable to feed a good amount of people if you're gardening and if everybody's contributing to it.
1: Is it safe to assume that between growing food and harvesting food from the land, you could probably get by all year? Yes. Legally. Yeah, if I'm, you ha- legally, legally is the legal. big thing. Yeah. yeah. And
0: I think it just takes time and dedication. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I had, to, we always throw legally in there because you can only harvest, like, if, you know, you can yeah. only shoot so many deer and so many, yep. you know, and, and, and realistically- It's um, tough living off red squirrels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God knows I've tried. But, <laughs> but with the combination of foraging, which you guys are yeah. getting more and more into- um, and, and raising food, um, you know, and like squash and, and those things that'll hold over.
2: Yep. Well, and so what's cool about these systems that we've been talking about this whole time is they all start out pretty bare bones and simple, you know, like with the human ore system, like we have built outhouses that those can be in, but that's not really necessary for, for the system to work other than just having the bucket and that, and that's true for food as well. Um, all these systems can slowly build on themselves the longer you're living there and become Pretty, uh, I wouldn't say cushy, but most of the systems up there—they work. I'd say
0: cushy. Yeah, because it's like we talked about—you know, with learning where to put the paths. You know, you, yeah. If you're mm-hmm. using a humanure system for a couple of years, you're going to learn a lot mm-hmm. about it, about where you can cut corners mm-hmm. and where you can't. Yeah. Um, same with you know growing food or 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 anything really. You know that in order to become yeah really good at something, there's no there's no mystery to learn how to make. The world's best, say, longbow, or the world's best, a really good functional longbow, right? Mm -hmm. You want to make a really good one? Go make nine of them. And the 10th one will probably be pretty good. So Mm -hmm. the idea of, like, experience as a really good teacher sort of falls in there. Well, and
1: that falls like anything you do. Yeah. Um, You know, you get to get, you know, try it, practice it. And we just just went through something yesterday as, as an example. I can't remember what it was. Um, I'm not going to try to remember it, but uh, it was like, well, why don't we just do it to make sure we can do it? I forget what it was. Some stupid little thing. But it's amazing how you forget how to do stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, or, or, uh, you know, even if, like, you can spend, let's just say, the the compost toilet. I can study making one for five years, but when I finally make one and start to use it and realize, it's like, oh, well, it's it's a process. Yeah. But, Mm -hmm. you know, once you do it, it then
0: becomes second nature. And that's one of the... Things that I think is a huge benefit to people coming to the field school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll ask you guys for your feedback in a minute. But, you know, where you can step into systems that are fully functioning and are very mature whereas mm-hmm. a lot of things that I've tried to learn in my life I try to learn from books mm-hmm. and maybe there's like a five-year hump that you got to get over before yeah. you really understand it yeah. whereas if you were to go somewhere and people are doing it full-time year-round mm-hmm. and you sort of step in and yeah. see all the stuff it just the learning curve is drastically improved and you can immediately figure out Hey, this will work for me, or it won't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas it might take you a long time to do that, say trial and error, based on what you learned from a book.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know your your school. You know, I mean, you, you are a bushcraft school in the sense you teach bushcraft skills, and but you're also anyone who's interested in any kind of off grid living or off pipe living. It's a great example because you got just that. You got the the water system. You got the the, mm-hmm. the, the toilet system. You got the housing um the surrounding environment i mean it's what you're going to be dealing with so it's it's a good way to just jump into it and say yeah this is what this is what it's like yeah and then you know take it off and and do your own thing with it you know
0: yeah so yeah stepping into functioning systems dramatically shortens the learning curve oh yeah um a couple other things about food you know in a modern uh in a modern house people will brag about how much they spend on their kitchen like you don't have to have a hundred thousand dollar kitchen with eighty grand in cash in the cabinets to cook. Though food, it's right? nice, it is it, yeah. not bad. Yeah, it's not. I mean, if I wanted to slum it, I'm, yeah. If anything less than a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar kitchen, I'm wearing a disguise. Yeah, I don't want the paparazzi getting a photo of me well, in I've, there.
1: I've got the privilege of, in my business. <laughs> I walk into a lot of houses that are a little ostentatious, and I I do shake my head at times, envious. And I you know I, I applaud those people who work to that and achieve those goals, but. I just drive away shaking my head and it's like, I it's, I don't want the responsibility. I don't want to. But be,
0: again, if the goal is to have like food prepared. I'll at take the, end the cash. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll take the cash. No problem. But, uh, <laughs> but it can all be done yeah. over a campfire or a yeah. rocket stove Over like there's much yeah. less yeah. expensive yeah. ways yeah. to feed yourself.
1: Yes. That's a good, a really good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. But, uh, it, but no, um, like I say, I think there's, there's definitely a trend. Of people, and even you've noted, know, we're all involved in whether we want to admit it or not. We're all involved in social media at some level, and um, I'm more of an
0: anti-social media. <laughs> You're
1: very anti-social, actually, <laughs> but uh, it, there is a huge trend of people who are just like, you know, I just, I, I'm done. I'm sick of it. Forget it. i I want out. And it, it's some people do. Some people just throw it all away and, and do it. it. It's, it's a, but it's a big step. Yeah. And you know when to get, but to get a taste of that. If you can, you know, get into a program like what you offer and say, well, hey, you know, you want to live? This is what it's like. And you might walk away saying, no, oh, you know, I'm, I'm glad I did that because I know it's not what I want to do. Or you might say, well, like I did, uh, and, I, and I can think of a few other people, you're, you you went out and found a paper and you bought some land, like within yeah. six months. That's exactly what I did. Yeah. And it's like, no, I, I got to buy my land now because this is exactly what I want to do. I mean, I knew it was all along, but you pushed me that much, that much further to focus and and, um, liquidate assets and come up with some money and and actually make it happen. So it's, I I, I don't know, it's a lot to think about.
0: Yeah, Yeah. good to do, definitely difficult to do in one fell swoop, good to do Mm -hmm. incrementally. It's hard to do on a podcast. For most people. Yeah. 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 Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) What?
1: But. Well, you're a good example, Chris. I mean, you know, think of where you were three years ago, and now it's like you—you know—you're looking at a Yeti cooler and a guide tent, and you're—you're you're set for life. Yeah, yeah. Three <laughs> think years about ago, that. I were
2: Three years ago, I had an office job and uh, an apartment in downtown St. Louis, and now I live in a tent, and uh, it's pretty
0: great. Is that is that tent down by the river? <laughs>
2: No, that's where I keep my van. <laughs> but, no, it is is—it is true to, um, you know, as a former student, um, and we're talking about, like, coming and seeing these systems, um, the cool thing that struck me was, like, I was seeing how these systems worked um, and seeing how they could be eventually, but also understanding the simplicity that they could start out with um, and knowing that it's something, you know, People, I think a lot of people look at like this romantic idea of what living outdoors is, and they think they need all this crazy stuff to do it. They need to have like a you know a fancy cabin and a fancy outhouse and all this other stuff. But there are really simple ways to do it, and over time build something like what we have at the field school now. Like it took time to get there, but now it's yeah cushy, and but, that's inspiring. I think. To I mean, people. the
0: time was mostly learning curves, right? It was yeah. just like figuring it out. You do it mm-hmm. long enough, what well, can you, I cut away? But well, yeah. you learned the hard way. I mean, you read
1: the books and you did this, but you actually went up there with an axe and a canoe and you did it. Yeah, you know, over time. Whereas people have the advantage of, mm-hmm. you know, it's easier to <clears throat> the, the 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 technology and information that's out there now was not in a not in place when you when you went out and did what you did. Right. So it's it's a lot easier now to to take take that step. Yeah,
2: yeah, I would agree entirely. There's a lot of yeah. There's well the well. Well, the information is there and it's readily accessible, but I mean, there's so many schools like us that do stuff like maybe not exactly the way we do, but that encourage people to live a simple life. And that is a big stepping stone that probably not everybody even knows that they have access to, but when they do, it changes their approach to stuff a lot and it gives them a big
1: boost. I'm going to do a 180. I'm going to start a school that discourages people. Right, from wanting to live on the land. Just
2: so Ed, can you hit. can't have all of Maine.
0: You can't. And your backstory, your fake backstory, should be like, I grew up Amish, and now nah, I'm moving to New York City yeah. via Los Angeles. I changed
2: my name to Ken Kardashian and moved to New York
0: City. And Don't I, go. I want my get, own reality TV. You got me thinking
1: now. Actually, you got me thinking because I was looking for a new angle. And that might just. That might. That's definitely. A new There's nothing one. wrong with that. But you know, you've no. you've, you've done. You've got. You've accomplished a lot in the last couple of years. you got your main guide certification. you got your, uh, you know. You're talking about me? Yeah. Well, not, I'm looking at you. You talk yourself a lot, Ed, and you also yeah. recently got your. I haven't guide. accomplished anything. <laughs> no, I haven't accomplished anything. And sooner or later, it's all going to, I'm going to, someone's going to expose me. But. No, but, um, but no, I'm just saying, it's like, you know, you set your, you set your mind to it and yeah, you know, you're kind of working in that direction. Yeah, and that's what it takes.
2: Yeah, exactly. Some it's commitment. slow and steady. The idea that it's an overnight thing. I think needs to be dissuaded. Like you can't overnight start living simply if you live in a modern world, but um, yeah, you can start moving in that direction and understand that that's what everyone who wants to live this life now kind of does. Like you just slowly start making little mm-hmm. changes and eventually you'll get there.
0: I mean, I think years ago I remember Madonna singing that she oh, was man. a material girl living in a material world mm-hmm. and look at how far she's come. Yeah.
1: I know. Actually, she's one of my, uh, I have her on, I mean, I hold a lot of torches, but she's like, uh, I got a bright one for her. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Does she use a human air system? Is that where you're going with this? I don't know. I actually have a friend of mine from college worked for her. I doubt it. Oh, my God. I was kidding. I'm dead serious. Oh, my God. I can't,
0: uh, she had like a, like a production company, and I think he, I don't know what it was, but he said she was a really nice, very smart, very shrewd lady. Probably. Shrewd. There's our our three degrees of separation, right? Nice. Yeah. Well. It's supposed to be seven, yeah, and there's something about bacon, yeah. I don't know.
1: I gave up bacon,
0: Kevin Bacon, yeah. There it is. You don't watch any of his movies anymore. No, nope.
1: I used to, I How a, do you, you know, do Quicksilver, it? Whitewater. Uh, <laughs> did you ever see Quicksilver,
0: yeah, oh when he was a bike messenger,
1: yeah? But remember, he was a hot shot at you know, a stockbroker and lost it all. And oh, I don't remember that part, yeah. of yeah. It. It's kind of a little bit of a parallel to what we're talking. You don't remember that movie? I kind of do. He was I, a hot shot. He was like a hotshot stockbroker, and you know, ran the market and uh, one He crashed, lost everything, <laughs> okay. and uh, got a job as a bike messenger. Yeah, and then did that for a while, and kind of get involved in the culture and the life, and
0: then uh, ended up coming back and getting making all using the, money the human system. Yeah, what yeah. I like to do. Uh, he did
1: not have a humidor. Uh, human is system.
0: I like to talk about his movie Footloose, and then but I I put myself in there when my. Kids, friends ask me, you know, how did you get started doing this? And I say, well, you know, I moved this little town, very religious town in Indiana, and I used to go dance in the warehouse by myself, and I was able to bring dancing back to this very conservative town. And then, you know, two other things happen, and now I do what I do now. So I like that's how I tell the story to embarrass my. So you brought
1: dancing back, like Justin Timberlake brought sexy back,
0: but he didn't really. It was never gone. It was just. It was in Arista mis- County. Misplaced. It was in Arista was County. Misplaced. Yeah, let's what bring is... it
2: back to Arista County. We're a little bit <laughs> off topic now. Um, topic? What I mean? was waiting for one of you to throw me a bone so Talk. we could like focus. And luckily, you said Arista County. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Full circle.
0: Full, Full circle. circle. A lot like Which... the humanure system. Full yeah. Circle. yeah. And the meaning of life from the Lion King. The circle of life. Guys, yeah. guys. Humanure system is the Lion King. Is the. We did well
1: though. We went almost forty-five <laughs> minutes without. <laughs> Yeah, yeah we exactly. should
0: probably start uh the wheels are coming off the bus yeah. thank you very much yeah. for listening to another episode of the jack mountain bushcraft podcast thank you gentlemen for being here absolutely thank afternoon. you guys for uh listening to this <laughs> and uh we'll eat you back before too long with another one absolutely <laughs>